five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Ah uh-huh. 
נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. 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 דברו על לב ירושלים, דברו על לב ירושלים, נחמו עמי, דברו על לב ירושלים. אמר השם, אמר השם, את מי צריך לנחם? האם לא אותי צריכים לנחם? מי שנשרף ביתו, מי שנשבו בניו, את מי צריך לנחם? נחמוני, נחמוני עמי. נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. דברו הלב ירושלים, דברו הלב ירושלים. נחמו עמי, דברו הלב ירושלים. אמר השם אמר השם, את מי צריך לנחם? האם לא אותי צריכים לנחם? מי שנשרף ביתו, מי שנשבו בניו, את מי צריך לנחם? נחמוני, נחמוני עמי. Thank <laughs> you. 
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday on this July 23rd, the 14th day in the month of Menachem Av, the year 5781. My name is Nachum Siegel. You're listening to J.M. in the A.M. Guess what? It's Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Could you tell from our playlist? <laughs> I was wondering if you'd be able to detect a Nachamu theme. Uh, Aspak Larya with Nachamu, Aaron Razel with Nachamu, the Nachamu medley done by the Maccabees, Avram Rosenblum and Diaspora with Nachamu, Nachamu done by Shlomo Katz, Aryeh Kunstler's Nachamu, and of course Regesh Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vyazchanan, it's Erev Shabbos Nachamu, it's Erev Tuba'av, Tuba'av begins tonight, candle lighting in New York, 759, candle lighting in New York, 759, a lot of synagogues begin earlier than that. Make sure you know when things start where you are. But again, officially, 7.59, candle lighting in New York. Leave extra time. Remember, it's getting a little earlier now. You're heading to the Catskills or anywhere today. Make sure you leave plenty of extra time for yourself to get where you need to get to. Nachamu traffic is legendary. Remember that? Everyone always say Nachamu, Shabbos Nachamu traffic. <laughs> Nachamu traffic on a Friday is legendary. So be careful out there. 68 degrees, 61% humidity. Winds are northwest at 3 miles per hour. Mix of clouds and sun, a high temperature of 84. Then tonight, partly cloudy, a low of 67. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high temperature, 84 degrees. Yushalayim is at 81. Up in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Missouri waking up to 53-degree weather. We're at 68 here in New York City as we say good morning. At JM and the AM, 27 minutes before the hour, Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin both coming up with uh, words about Vyaschanon, Parshas Vyaschanon on this Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Uh, Rabbi Yudin will be live from Israel. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, is expected to join us today at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update. Make sure to be tuned in for that. And we will... Um, Wrap up the JMM week at 9 o'clock. Don't forget, at 10 a.m., Mark Zamek with the Arab Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Uh, that is a a spectacular show designated specifically for Arab Shabbos Nachamu. You don't want to miss it. Starts at 10 a.m. Um, Arab Shabbos Music Mix all day, brought to you by Kedem. Final hour coming up at about uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Uh, tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel, Avrami, plus Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. And um, Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matis and Nachamu weekend. JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time live. Thank you, Matis. All right here at the Nachum Siegel Network. So there's plenty happening. There's a lot going on. There is a lot going on, to say the least. And... Um, and we've got it all for you right here at JMNAM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Listener Moshe asks that um, everyone keep in mind Moshe Shmuel Ben Toba. Moshe Shmuel Ben Toba, who's undergoing a heart procedure today. Uh, please say Kapitel 69. That would be Samich Tet. Capital chapter of Tehillim 69, Samachtet this morning from Moshe Shmuel ben Toba. Listener Tikva says, Shabbat Shalom, Achenu diaspora Anachnu Imachem. And I don't think she means the band diaspora. She means everybody outside of Israel. 
Uh, a special thank you to listener Tikva. A special thank you to listener Hadas Emuna. Hadas Emuna. Shalom, shalom, and Shabbat shalom. Listener Yiddy says, don't forget to play Tuba Av from Lenny Solomon. I always wondered where I can get this song. Uh, first of all, if you go to uh, schlockrock.com, I think there's there's ways you could support Lenny's foundation and get all of his music. Um, I'm trying to think. I think it's on Rejuvenated. I think Tuba Av is on the Rejuvenated album, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken. And, yes, of course, we have that. Uh, hopefully we have that coming up a little later on in the show here at the JM and the AM. Ah, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Plenty more coming up. Thanks for keeping it right here at JM in the AM. I'd like to sing one more little bit sad song, a little bit happy both. The COVID says Shabbos. Give me how many, friends, give me how many, hold on to the last note. Can you imagine? Can you visualize? Can you think about? About 2,400 years ago, somewhere on a street corner in the holy city, Yerushalayim. And maybe, 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 it was on Matzohe Shabbos. Yeshayonobe, the Holy Prophet Isaiah came down somewhere, somewhere from the Harabayim. You know, sweetest friends, let me tell you, according to our tradition, Everybody knows that they have Torah, the portion of the prophet we read after a certain portion of the Torah. That means that the prophet prophesied this on that Motsoi Shabbos of the portion of that we hear. Without getting involved in the depths of it right now. So Shabbos was Hanan. 2,400 to 500 years ago, Yushaya Novi listened to the Pasha Waschanan and he came down to the streets and he prophesied and he said, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami,
See my sweetest friends. Says Nachem und Nachem, Ami. Console my people. Don't ever stop consoling them. And then it says, Dabru Alev Yerushalayim. Speak into the heart of Yerushalayim, and call unto her. You know, sweetest friends, sometimes a person is so desperate for consolation. Sometimes a person is so desperate for one good word that when you want to give it to them, they run away. Can you imagine Mashiach walking right now? Most of us would just run through the window. Couldn't believe it. I want it so much, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. So he says, Dabu, Alev Yerushalayim. When she runs away, don't stop. Run after her and keep on crying loud. It's true, it's true. Yeah, I know it's so true. Sometimes you want to talk to your children, they're crying. And they run away. Because they're waiting for Mashiach so desperately. Give me how many one more time.
What a way to wrap up the hour, huh? Friday morning, JM in the AM on this Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Wow, could not have wrapped that up uh, better, <laughs> frankly. Uh, Nachamu done by Safam, a, a total and complete classic. Slova Zemmer with Nachamu. You heard Yehuda Green's Nachamu, and of course, Loma Kalbach with that classic Nachamu here at JM in the AM. Friday morning on this July 23rd, day 14 in the month of Menachem Av. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas via Schanon. It is Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Um, it's also Erev Tuba'av. Yeah. With candle lighting at 7.59 in the area. 
meaning the New York area. 759 here in New York. 68 degrees, mix of clouds and sun and a high of 84. Cloudy tonight, low 67. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. A high shop is 84 degrees. 81 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 53 in Guilford, New York. Our friends at Kent Masora. They are at uh, 53 degrees. And here in New York City, 68 on a Friday, Erev Shabbos Nachamu here at JM in the AM. Oh, nothing like Erev Shabbos Nachamu, that's for sure. There are people in the audience who are looking for jobs. Those of you out there who uh, would like to send in your resume, uh, you never know. Anything in the Jewish not-for-profit uh, professional realm, we uh, forward to our friends at the Joel Paul Group. Anything else, we try our hardest to... Um, uh, to make shiduchim, to make matches in the world of employment. By the way, I should mention that in the world of employment, in the in the greater Jewish community, at least here in New York and New Jersey, there are many, many, many jobs available in the field of education. Many. Uh, and it's now July, and a lot of places, a lot of schools are trying to fill positions. So if that's your specialty or if that's something you have experience in, Get us your resume, resume at NahumSiegel.com, resume at NahumSiegel.com. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, at NahumSiegel.com, and the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Golly, it's on the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. It's golly, it's on the background. News coming up, Harry Rothenberg, Rabbi Yudin about Parshas via Schanan, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time with the weekly update. Galatzal, Israel Army Radio Newscast, next. תאונת דרכים קטלנית בדרום, אדם נהרג ועוד שישה נפצעו באורח בינוני וקל, בהתנגשות בין שני כלי רכב מדרום לצומת מנוחה בכביש הערבה. צוותים של לוחמי אש ואנשי מגן דוד אדום הוזעקו לחלץ את הנפגעים ולפנותם לבתי החולים יוספטל באילת וסורוקה בבאר שבע. כתבנו בדרום רמי שני מוסר שאמש התרחשה תאונת דרכים קשה באותו מקטע דרך ובה נפגעו שישה בני אדם. מוקדם יותר היום נפצעו באורח בינוני שני רוכבי אופנוע בשתי תאונות דרכים שונות. כתבנו מתן לוי מעדכן שמתחילת השנה נהרגו 203 בני אדם בתאונות דרכים. משרד הבריאות מעדכן על עלייה נוספת במספר חולי הקורונה במצב קשה שעומד כעת על 81. 1,263 נדבקים חדשים הובחנו אתמול. שיעור הבדיקות החיוביות הוא 1.183 עשיריות האחוז. כמו כן, מהיום כל השבים ארצה מטורקיה, מקפריסין, מגיאורגיה ומבריטניה נדרשים לשהות בבידוד במשך שבוע, ובנוסף טיסות לספרד וקירגיסטן אסורות לטיסה אלא באישור ועדת חריגים. ידיעה שריכזו כתבינו שי פרידמן ועינב קרנר. שר המשפטים גדעון סער הנחה את הדרג המקצועי במשרדו להכין הצעת חוק לפי הנשיא המדינה לא יטיל את תפקיד הרכבת הממשלה על נאשם בפלילים כך סער בריאיון שפורסם בעיתון ידיעות אחרונות בנוסף אמר כי הוא מתואם בעניין עם ראש הממשלה בנט ומתכוון להגיש את הצעת החוק במושב החורף בהצעת תחול מהכנסת הבאה ראש התחום הפוליטי יניר קוזין מוסר שהצעת החוק צפויה להיות מוגשת עם הגבלת תפקיד ראש הממשלה לשתי כהונות או עד שמונה שנים בלבד, וכי נדרשת לכך תמיכתם של כל חברי הקואליציה.
אולימפיאדת טוקיו 2020 יצאה לדרך בצל מגפת הקורונה. המשלחת הישראלית מונה 90 ספורטאים, בהם 33 שיצעדו בטקס המסורתי, שיחל בעוד זמן קצר ללא נוכחות קהל. את המשלחת יובילו נושאי הדגל, האתלטית חנה מיננקו והשחקן יעקב טומרקין. ביציע הכבוד יושב שר התרבות והספורט חילי טרופר. בתוך כך תאגיד השידור הציבורי של יפן הודיע כי מארגני המשחקים האולימפיים מתמודדים עם מחסור בבדיקות קורונה. כתב חדשות הספורט הדר גיציס מציין שבשל כך ספורטאים רבים לא נבדקים בזמן הנדרש לקראת התחרות. התחזית מעונן חלקית, הטמפרטורות תהיינה מעט נמוכות מהרגיל לעונה, מחר בשעות הבוקר צפויים גשמים מקומיים ברובם קלים, בצפון הארץ ובמרכזה. בשעות הצהריים תחול ירידה בטמפרטורות והן תהיינה נמוכות מהרגיל לעונה. לידיעת ציבור המטיילים, חופים, סוסיתא, אמנון, צאלון וחוקוק נסגרו עקב עומס מבקרים, כך מעדכנים באיגוד ערים כנרת. אלה החדשות.
Lenny Solomon, Schlockrock, couple of great ones. That's a Lenny Solomon album entitled Rock Moshiach with Su'uma Rome, words from this week's Haftorah. Before that, you heard Schlockrock with Tuba'av. After all, Tuba'av starts tonight. It's Erev Tuba'av. It's Erev Shabbos Nachamu on this Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. Wow, 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 wow. I'll tell you. Nothing like Shabbos Nachamu. Uh, regards in the Holy Land, I had the privilege of spending uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in Israel this week. A big shout-out to our friends at NCSY, especially the NCSY summer programs. A shout-out to David Cutler, Rabbi Moshe Benovitz, Rabbi Micha Greenland, everybody who made it such an amazing journey for us, or I should say for me in this case, <laughs> uh, to be at the Yom NCSY and then at NCSY Kolel uh, later in the week. It was um, a short but effective and uh, and a really amazing uh, broadcast. And I thank them all very, very much. Ruvain Brick says, I'm home working. I've been listening since six. I did not know there were so many Nachamu songs. Thank you, Ruvain. <laughs> and by the way, Ruvain, uh, yesterday you had asked me about the campaign. And I'm glad, actually, that I came across your email now. Um, as unusual as this sounds, I really don't want to give out any information. And I know that that sounds crazy because obviously good causes need money now. Uh, but we are, and I, and I'll certainly privately share it with you soon. Um, but right now, uh, Ruvain, uh, wrote to us yesterday, I heard you talking this morning about giving money for people in Israel for food for Yuntif. He wants to be the first donor and he will be the first donor. Uh, and I'll give out all the information. Uh, what's happening is um, I sat in Israel with the amazing Leora Tedji for quite a while. She, of course, leads our mayor bracha. And uh, after discussing a bunch of things with her, I um, I said, we are going to volunteer, and it's a total volunteer effort. There are a lot of efforts that are campaigns on these airways, but when it's a volunteer effort, I am telling you it's a volunteer effort. We're going to volunteer starting on Rosh Chodesh Elul, to use the month before Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot to uh, ask people to donate and to help her feed the poor in Israel. Uh, that's our goal. And we're going to kick that off. Uh, we're going to kick it off as part of our Tishrei, or I should say Elul uh, Chesed campaign. Won't be exactly the same thing as what we did in Nissan, but uh, I'm hoping it'll be effective in making people aware that there are a lot of people who are in need before the brand new year of 5782 starts. So we will be um, uh, helping Armei Obracha. We'll hopefully be helping other causes, and we'll certainly be helping our own our own cause. Something we didn't do in Nissan, but something we do do this time of year, which is remind people before the end of the uh, Jewish year to give to FJB to the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting if they haven't done so yet. So that's it. It's going to be a many many multi pronged uh, effort, multi pronged campaign. Uh, which will begin Rosh Chodesh Elul, and we're going to try our best to emphasize how important it is to support the poor in Israel and really anywhere. And not just the poor, but those who need, those who, you know, who will get a boost from a from an act of chesed that we are going to be doing, um, whoever it might be. Uh, Harry Rothenberg has words about uh, Parshas V.S. Hanan. Joins us on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos, Erev Tuba'av, Erev Shabbos Nachamu at JM in the AM. The Torah tells us something this week that seems like it's just a historical fact. 
that Moses, Moshe, set up three cities of refuge, cities that provided protection for someone who had killed someone else negligently so that the relative of the person they killed couldn't engage in vigilante justice and kill them. But the sages say it's not just a historical fact, it's an important lesson because there are six cities of refuge, the three on the other side of the Jordan, outside Israel, that Moshe set up, and then the three in Israel that Joshua, Yehoshua, later set up. Moshe knew he wasn't going to be able to set up all six, and he knew that the first three don't go into effect until the other three are set up. So he could have said, I'm not gonna do this, it's not a real mitzvah, I can't complete it, they didn't go into effect until after my death, and he said, no, I'm gonna do what I can. So we see from here that if you have a chance to do a mitzvah, you grab it, even if it's only half a mitzvah, a piece of a mitzvah, even if you know you're not going to be able to complete it, you do what you can do. I saw a very interesting example of this concept earlier this week from a current day Moshe, my son Moshe. He came back to visit us from Israel with his wife and children for the first time in almost two years. I picked him up after a red-eye flight, 5.30 in the morning. He and I put the bags in the back of the van. And then as I walk around to the front of the van to drive, he walks around the other side to the front passenger seat and gets involved in a conversation with a total stranger. And I'm sitting in the car. I say to his wife behind me, what's he doing? She says, I have no idea. Probably some mitzvah. Just let him do his thing. I say, okay. I sit. I turn the car on so we have the AC. And we're waiting. And we're waiting. And they're talking. And then the guy goes back to his car. He brings something back. I'm thinking, what is going on here? And so eventually, my son knocks on the window. I open it. He says, Dad, you have $20? I whisper to him, he must have really told you a great sob story if you're giving him 20 bucks. He whispers back to me, no, I'm buying mezuzahs from him. I whisper back, Mo, that guy does not look like a mezuzah salesman. I'm going to show you a picture. For those of you who don't recognize my son, he's the one on the right. The mezuzah salesman is the one on the left. And we can agree. The guy who my son said was a very nice guy doesn't exactly look like a mezuzah salesman. And what's he doing selling mezuzahs at Newark Airport at 5.30 in the morning? And the answer is he explained to my son that he was hired to do a demolition job. And the home, he figured out somehow, was owned by a Jewish person. His boss said, just throw everything out. But he saw that there were these strange things on the doorposts. So he took them down and said, the next time I see a Jewish person, I'll ask them. Went over to my son, are you Jewish? Yes. My son's thinking, where's this bageling going to go? And he tells him the story. And he shows him the mezuzahs. And my son then negotiates with him and buys them for $20. He said, Dad, I didn't get a chance to open each one and check each word to see if they're kosher. But if they're kosher and he's going to throw them out, I have to save four mezuzahs from being thrown out. And even if they're not kosher, I have to make sure that they get disposed of properly. I said, son, I'm pretty sure that your namesake, the original Moshe, is pretty proud of you up in heaven. When we have the opportunity to do a mitzvah, we have to grab it. That's what the original Moshe showed us. And we've got to model our behavior after him.
Right over left, I never believed Until one day the tide went my way And I felt all your love washing over me Like the rise of the sun on a clear day I believe So take a look at me I'm feeling so alive I'm taking off on this major rocket ride Singing in a song, your hand is clear to see. Be'emuna shelema, anima ami. Oh, anima ami, with every breath. I'm not standing alone through these waters. I'll just follow your light down any path. Oh, forever I'm your steadfast soldier. This major rocket ride. I gotta sing it in a song. Your hand is clear to see. Taking off on this major rocket ride Just sing it in a song Your hand is clear to see Oh, anima ami So take a look at me I'm feeling so alive I'm 
taking off on this major rocket ride. And I never felt this strong. The world is here for me.
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning. Erev Shabbos Nachamu, Erev Shabbos Parshas Vyaschan, and Erev Shabbos Tuba'av. That's right, Erev Tuba'av on this Friday. Uh, that was the uh, Akavia selection done by Zevi Kaufman. You heard Ma'amin done by RJ2. New York Boys Choir had a hakelo. Um, don't forget, yesterday, um, uh, Miriam L. Wallach spoke to Sina Mizrahi, author of the book Good Food. Don't forget, you can order the book by going to artscroll.com slash goodfood. Artscroll.com slash goodfood. It's uh, inspired by Sina Mizrahi's Middle Eastern roots and the places that she's called home. Sina Mizrahi, Good Food. It's now available. I know a lot of people did it with pre-order, ordered it in advance, but it's now available. Go to uh, artscroll.com slash goodfood. Remember, whatever you're ordering from artscroll.com, always use promo code radio. Simple as that. Always use promo code radio at artscroll.com. You get a great discount, and you will get a... uh, and you'll get free shipping as well. So always use promo code radio at artscroll.com. Cross River presents our history, your future. Invest in Israel with Cross River. It's a private cocktail reception happening this coming Monday. And originally we thought we'd have Jill's Gade, the president of Cross River, on this morning. He'll be on this coming Monday to discuss Monday afternoon's event where they're going to be encouraging investment in Israel. Big yeshikach to the folks at Cross River, doing always doing a lot for the community. But this... To encourage investment in Israel is obviously an extremely important move. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. A special hello to those who are going to be barbecuing, grilling, and enjoying some delicious A&H hot dogs and so many other of their great items. Enjoy 10% meaning this Shabbos Nachamu weekend. I don't know. Nachamu, always a big grilling weekend. Simple as that. <laughs> this portion of NSN programming brought to you by A&H. Enjoy a 10% discount on all Abel's and Hyman products at kosherdogs.net with promo code radio. A&H has been serving the kosher world since 1954, and A&H products are available at Better Kosher Supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. That's for sure. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN Nachum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Schwiger says, Boker Tov and good Erev Shabbos Nachum from Atlanta. Woo! Thanks for the fabulous lesson in 100 plus ways to Nachamu. Who knew? Obviously you. Thank you, Schwiger. <laughs> Schwiger's in Atlanta? I think she drove or flew. Hmm. I don't know. But I might find out later today. We'll get our investigative reporters on that. See if we can find out how she got to Georgia on this uh, Erev Shabbos. Um, right, okay. Uh, Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, is going to join us. The weekly update will happen uh, at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time this morning. So we'll have that for you here at JM and the AM, so make sure to tune in. And, of course, Rabbi Yudin's going to join us from Israel with words about Parshas Vashanan and much, much more, all happening right here at JM in the AM.
עצרתי רגע להפסקה, לתת לנפש מנוחה, לפתוח דלת לרווחה, חום של בית ומשפחה. אותו מקום של הבנה, של הזדמנות, של התחלה. דופקים על שעריך להיכנס, כדי לצאת לדרך.
רק מעומק לב, ונתפלל שתחלם, שתוציאנו. Shabbat Shalom. 
Micha Gammerman. Friday morning, JM in the AM. Erev Shabbos Nachamu, Erev Shabbos Parshas Vyashanan, Erev Tuba'av. Imagine that. Beware the Nachamu traffic. <laughs> We're trying to determine if that's a myth or not. <laughs> that on Erev Shabbos Nachamu, there's even more traffic than a regular, <laughs> than a regular July Friday. But hey, if it helps people get on time to... Uh, uh, to where they need to get to before candle lighting, then we'll uh, make it up and we'll say yes. There is such a thing as uh, Erev Shabbos Nachamu traffic. Yonatan Sheinfeld before that with Derech Hadashah. Yismachu done by our friends up at Waterbury. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candle lighting at 7.59 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, JewishWorldReview.com has a, a plethora of articles and links that you'll find interesting. Many of them you may, may want to print out before Shabbos and explore over the 25-hour Shabbos adventure on this uh, Shabbos Nachamu. Go to jewishworldreview.com and to check out their articles and their offerings. And again, print out what you'd like to uh, read over Shabbos. You'll be doing yourself a service. The more information you know, the better off you are. Simple as that. Malcolm Honline in a moment. Uh, we are we have the weekly update this week. Baruch Hashem. Next week, Malcolm will be traveling. Uh, there will be no weekly update. And then in terms of um, August, both pre and after uh, Rosh Chodesh Elo, we'll let everybody know uh, what to expect. As the summer schedule, as you know, is always a bit more erratic than the schedule the rest of the year. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish organizations. He joins us on Friday morning, 7.40 a.m. Eastern time here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be back with you again. Appreciate that. Good to see you in Israel. Yeah, thank God. I don't take it lightly, by the way, because uh, the statistics on both sides of the world bear it out that most, I mean, overwhelmingly, the majority of people simply are not getting into Israel. We'll talk about that in a moment because there's a... Uh, Growing concern that this trend is simply going to continue, uh, but yes, a, um, it, it was great seeing you in the Holy Land, and I, I hope that we can continue as we did that week and as we did this week with our friends at NCSY to bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora as people rightfully so are desperate to get in, and Israel, I believe rightfully so, is desperate to keep people out. So we we are all pining. The foreigners are pining to get in, and the government of Israel is trying their best to keep 
everybody out. Pretty amazing. Do you do you have any? I mean, I could tell you every rumor that I've heard on this side of the world and on that side of the world. Do you have any definitive information about the timetable of Israel reopening to foreigners? I have definitive information that they do not know at this point when Israel will open up and whether, in fact, uh, travel for Sukkot will be possible for smaller children especially, for those who are not inoculated, for um, people generally, we just don't know. And I asked everybody from the prime minister to the minister of health to others about it. And as you know, they keep putting off the the date when non-group visitors would be able to come. And it's, uh, the expectation is that the Delta virus will get worse in the coming period as it is around the world. And Israel's taking the biggest precautions, I think, or as big as any country has, to uh, avoid the spread, which is the responsibility of government to, to do. But I know the frustration. I can't say how many phone calls I get about it. And, you know, when there's an emergency case, it's one thing. But for regular tourism right now, I don't. I just don't see uh, a clear answer. I heard a, uh, a couple of – first of all, there are many who I spoke to who said, don't even expect this by the end of 2021. Like, prepare yourself, because anyone who's thinking, even if they're not there for Sukkot, that they'll be able to travel more freely in October and November, don't fool yourself. So there's that position. Uh, but in addition to that, someone said to me that the Israeli government is considering, and of course this is only a rumor, September the 15th is the deadline, because by then every foreigner will have canceled their Sukkot reservation, <laughs> and then they, uh, they can open things up. A little cynical approach, but um, you I, no, I don't think that's the, the cheshbon that they're actually, uh, that's, that's how they're making decisions. I think they're really trying to work off the science and the spread, and the, you know, especially because younger people are get who are not inoculated are vulnerable to this. Even though the thank God it it doesn't they don't come out of serious, and the fatality rate is still uh, hovers at uh, close to zero. But the um, expectations I can tell you on the part of many people that I spoke to was that who are in the know um, was that there will be an increase, and it's it's true everywhere we see countries. Uh, closing Australia, Melbourne, Sydney closed down again, and they they act with a superabundance of caution. They've had much less percentage than inoculated, but countries uh, keep getting put on the uh, Cyprus was put on the list, Russia's on the list, other places are on the red list uh, where travel from Israel, for instance, is is not allowed. By the way, as of Wednesday, two days ago. Uh, gatherings of two, three hundred people, weddings, etc., in Israel will require PCR tests for all the guests. I don't know what they're doing with concerts and major events. You know, in the thousands. I mean, there's no way to PCR test everybody to allow them in. Is proof of vaccination going to be enough, or is this also a rule that's changing every day in Israel? Uh, I don't know. All the rules seem to change pretty regularly. Yeah, and also on the groups. Uh, is it accurate to say that a group, you know, affiliated with, I guess we'd say, a major reputable organization can still get in? The reason I'm asking is because I'm now watching, and I'm sure you've heard this, uh, that those that many groups that were scheduled to, in fact, be in Israel October, November, December, are now that just canceling or postponing that trip. And I'm wondering if that's because of a regulation that makes it tougher now on the groups, or they just simply don't want to go through all the paperwork and the lachats, the pressure uh, that comes along with trying to get a group into Israel. It's probably all, but also it's the uncertainty. And when you have to 
at a certain point, put down the money, and many mm-hmm. times much of it is not refundable for the hotels, for the catering, for all the other things that your buses, uh, they have to make a decision. And with being unsure about what, where, what the status is, they opt not to do it. We see even mm-hmm. with the conventions that are scheduled here in the United States for next January or February are, are not being held because they don't want to make the financial commitment that's necessary and then be stuck with a, a huge bill and no conference. That includes APAC 2022, which will be virtu- yes, virtual. APAC it will not take place in person. Yeah, it'll be virtual again. Uh, what you, you hear this story about the oral vaccine in Israel? That is actually they've developed a a, a COVID yes. oral vaccine, and that's they're working on it. And uh, and now there are rumors going around that they may recommend a third vaccine for those who've had two Pfizer shots in order to give them a boost. Right. Uh, and um, and so you remember Netanyahu said this right away in the beginning that you may need a booster shot after six months, eight months, and um, even if someone had two shots. Yeah, I'll tell you, it, it's funny. I remember 18 months ago discussing with you the uncertainty of all of this and how God shut the world with this incredible situation that I still can't get over. And 18 months later, you know, outside of a little bit more freedom and a, and a bit less fear, there's not much difference. Maybe there's not enough chuva done. He, he gave us uh, time and said, okay, you know, think about all of this and what you're doing and what's important. Well, what's the limit, Malcolm? I mean, it, it, it can only be a maximum of how long. <laughs> <laughs> because you well, know how, you know how Jewish history works. At some point, God becomes very merciful and just stops the thing. Right. Well, I think God's <laughs> merciful in any event, but he, but it's it's um, uh, you know this is it's it's such a serious matter. So you can't be flippant about. Hey, I'm not being flippant. The, no, not you. No, no. I'm saying about the implications and about uh, the doctors about what the timing is because you can't find two doctors who agree on right, exactly that's, the that's course. Right. That's no, so true. We're going to pursue. That is so true, and that may be the, the, the crux of the entire matter. Uh, what was it like being at the inauguration of the new president of Israel? It, it was very moving. It was a series of events, an outdoor one in that blazing sun, which was quite a test of our commitment. And um, <laughs> many foreign ambassadors. I sat with the Egyptian and Moroccan ambassadors wow. who were there. That's cool. And the, um, there were a couple more who came. Uh, the... Um, and of course, the non-Arab ambassadors were there, and there were special things for them. Uh, but it was it was very moving. It was moving to see them put on the yarmulke several times, both Rivlin and Herzog, in quoting Tanakh and Tzvilot, um, and to see the Knesset sitting quietly. And, and no protest for for the duration of the uh, swearing in, which is highly unusual. They, they had been there just a, a day before. They made it, it through the whole session. They made it through the whole session. Yeah, that that Knesset. But it was, you know, I've known Herzog for many, many, many years, and worked with him on many issues. I think he he will be a very um, active, like Rivlin was, uh, president. Uh, he's already expressed himself on, on a lot of the issues, but coming from um, you know the Jewish agency where he was used to it and as leader of the Labor Party, um, I think he, he will be uh, heard from on a lot of the critical issues. Is there an odds-on favorite for the next director of the Jewish agency? There are there the process is going going. I spoke to people who are involved in it. I don't think that they they have not picked someone. There are names that General Eliezer Stern and others whose names have been put forward. Do you think Danny Danone's a real candidate for it? 
um, I'm not sure that he's a, he's a prime candidate. Uh, Danny Dayan's name had been put forward, which is, you know, he has been nominated now to be the new chairman of the of the Yad Vashem, yeah, the former a, consul general of New York. I mean, and, and, and uh, how do I put this diplomatically? Um, I don't know if that's the if, if as the as the as, in terms of the future of the Jewish people, and there are a lot of very qualified people, seriously, to lead Yad Vashem. I'm not minimizing the importance of the organization and and that role. But boy, do we need we need him more more pointed toward the future of the state of Israel than the past. And I, well, that's not the Yad Vashem is his orientation is towards future education. For commitment, it plays a very important role. Foreign dignitaries come there. I think it's a very expansive role. Wouldn't he be better? Wouldn't it be better for us if he was the head of the Jewish agency? Uh, I don't know whether it was really in the cards. So perhaps he saw that he wasn't going to get oh, it, and therefore. True. That's true. Opted for what he could. I hear that. What was it like meeting with the new prime minister of Israel? And I asked that with the background that, you know, obviously I had this opportunity to be there a couple of times this month. There are a lot of people who who really think he's a lightweight, and I'm wondering what your impressions were. I'm sure he comes in about 185. <laughs> uh, but uh, with, with the yarmulke or without the yarmulke? <laughs> yeah, that has white pounds. The, the, uh, look, I've known him for a very long time. And um, and through his various incarnations, and and uh, I met with him twice in the last few weeks, and and for long periods, and we had in, really in depth discussions about issues, issues here, issues there, and he is very open. He is very responsive to the things you say. He he takes notes. He he uh, talks about follow up on some of the things that we we raised. Um, and um, raised very confidential issues with uh, in our discussion. So, um, look, I think that that what helped them get to, into office was the opposition to be be united to the various factions. I think right now, getting the budget passed is uniting them. What will happen after the budget is really critical. And if they can in fact get it passed, because if, if they don't, then the government will automatically fall. Uh, and I'm sure the opposition will do everything they can to to make sure it doesn't happen. But it, they they may, it probably will have the votes, and they will make it flexible enough to accommodate a lot of the parties, so that they'll all have a vested interest in in passing it. So that's the big hurdle that they face. Uh, the issue of the American consulate in Jerusalem mm. uh, has been put off by the administration because they want to give them a chance to you know, find their sea legs and to get the budget passed and not to have a contentious or potentially divisive uh, issue. Uh, I know when I met with the acting American ambassador in Jerusalem, we met at the consulate, uh, not at the uh, embassy uh, building. Uh, I don't know that that has any particular significance, but the, the, um, that issue is a, is a, a delicate one. Of course, the violence from Gaza, the, Situation in Lebanon very unstable. Iran remains the major issue, and he discussed it as did when I met with Netanyahu. He's still singularly focused on that. Um, so there are there are abundance of issues. Uh, good news that Israel was admitted as an observer to the OEU Organization of African Unity. Uh, I attended a meeting. I don't think it was the, it was several years ago, where Israelis were excluded and they wanted to exclude us because they were Yarmulkes and they thought we were Israelis. Um, the the um, change is, is quite remarkable that it, it 
or went through. So, you know, Israel, on one hand, things are, are going well. The opening of the UAE's diplomatic representation, which uh, uh, President Herzog, I think, attended, and the um, uh, exchanges and the visit by Lapid to the UAE, the foreign minister of Israel. I mean, there are just so many things happening and so many um, well, um, we're good just cons- we're, we're just concerned that he gets it, you know, especially when it comes to Iran. And oh, he gets it. He gets it. I, I don't think that that's an issue about uh, for Bennett, about understanding. Remember, he was minister of defense for a short while. He, I mean, he's been exposed uh, for many years in the Knesset. Um, what he's able to put to get his cabinet to agree on is more of a question than whether he gets it. Yeah, I hear that. I, I think the impression also... Those who complain that they're they're not quite confident in his leadership always cite the six mandates that he has, and I don't know if he's going to get past that in Israeli society. That your prime minister with such a small representation in the Knesset, and I don't know, it may have been better for him to you know table his prime ministership for the second half of this arrangement. Frankly, uh, you know, just as the because uh, people continue to question whether you could really be a leader with such a small representation. Yeah, but it, and the system, though, as you know, allows it, encourages uh, minority parties to have an outsized voice. And, uh, he, he, you know, most of the parties there don't have much more. And as long as Lapid, which is the largest party, um, uh, who has the largest party there, is backing it. And because he gets the transition, um, is it pos- we'll see what, what happens. Two years is, is a lifetime in Israeli politics. Is it possible, based on what you just described, that Lapid's really running the country and that Bennett has to defer to him on issues like that because of the size of his party? I don't think he defers to him. I think that they seem to cooperate very well. They talk about the issues. Uh, we haven't yet had one that divided them that came to, to, to that point. And I think that, as I said, they'll avoid those kind of issues until certainly until after the budget is, is formed. Then they may have other moves. For instance, they're passing the law that will allow um, members of Likud, currently could to break away and join them as a faction, which would mean, you know, let's say four or five Likud members join the, the coalition government, um, and then Rom could be, could be dropped or whatever would certainly diminish the leverage and maybe at some point the religious parties would come in, though I don't see it with Lieberman's behavior right now, that that's likely. Uh, it, you know, there are a lot of options that are open, and this is only a few weeks into the into the government. Yeah, They're functioning. I mean, I met with a number of ministers. Everybody is at work. Um, I think that a lot has to be done it's the, the, in the ministries themselves. There's been a, a period of, I would say, laxity and, and Everywhere you go, people complain about the government agencies and their lack of responsiveness, the lack of activity. I've seen the foreign ministry a, a real change in, in the atmosphere, at least. We'll see whether there's an atm- a change in, in the actual doings. No, it's funny. I think this is the first time that I experienced non-religious people saying to me how upset they are about the way religious people are now being treated by the government of Israel. Now, I, I, that, it's likely it's happened before. I get it. But it was just a, it was a different vibe. You know, usually the, the contentious um, a topic of non-religious versus religious, you know, is really split, <laughs> split, split well right down the middle. In this case, it seemed there was a lot of sympathy from the average Israeli who was not religious for the way that the, uh, that the religious were being treated by the current government. But by elements of the government, I certainly think that uh, Lieberman's 
uh, you know, when you go too far, right. there is generally an assess- a sense, you know, that people want to have more religious freedom, as they call it, or uh, options or whatever, and, and they keep attacking the rabbinate, even on the issue of kashrut supervision now, it's it's uh, become a very divisive issue. Um, but I think overall people, we saw it after Mayrom when thousands of people lined up in Tel Aviv spontaneously right. to give blood for the for Haredim who were hurt or, or uh, injured at the, in, in that event. And you see it in other occasions, the sympathy they feel for um, members of the Haredi community. Maybe Shtisel uh, <laughs> helped or something. Well, you're making, you're making, you're making such an important point. And, and for those who, uh, I mean, I can't get into it right this moment, but if you look back, folks, at at, at pre-state of Israel, uh, Palestine, and and the uh, and and Israel when it was a young country, at the relationship between religious and non-religious, you would be impressed with the way uh, p- people are uh, are dealing with each other these days. It was a whole lot worse then, and anybody who is old enough to remember, I think, would agree with me. Although that generation is uh, is quickly fading, but you have to take my word for it. For those of us who uh, who grew up hearing about what it was like. Uh, to be religious in Israel and or Palestine in the first half of the 20th century. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Well, everyone thinks that the topic of the week is a Netflix series, which, by the way, we're completely ignoring right now until I decide otherwise. Uh, But the real topic of the week has been ice cream. Malcolm, who thought that ice cream would be the topic of the week when we're talking about the state of Israel? Uh, Well, Glida has always been very popular there, and uh, so it's been a topic of discussion for a long time, and it's improved immensely over the years. You're the expert, huh? (laughs) I I can claim some experience in that regard. Uh, But, uh, look, I think this, uh, first of all, I'm very encouraged by the response. Uh, we have we got on this right away, and we reached out to people, uh, and whether in the corporate world, whether in the Jewish organizational world, uh, different degrees of commitment and involvement, uh, people are responding to this in, in remarkable ways. We already had uh, Governor Santos wrote a letter. Uh, Governor Cuomo referred it to the Attorney General to review in terms of his executive order. Many other governors, I think at least five or six, have already moved on this. And the point is that the that Unilever will will be harmed because they they will not be able to invest funds. That's the laws, the anti BDS laws in right. 35 states, right. and the. Uh, and the importance of the message is a deterrent for others as a preventative that that if they were able to get away with this, Ben and Jerry, and, and you know, it's a limited move and all the things that people say, it's, uh, you know, it's a factory in Israel that's producing and selling in, in the, the what, what do they call occupied Palestinian territories, right. which were not occupied Palestinian territories uh, uh, usually, and um, they, they sold a lot of it. And the employees, who many employees who are Arabs who are going to lose their jobs, getting paid much more than they would make in the PA, uh, you know, that's a, an untold story mm-hmm. about how many Arabs work at a normal job, not talking about the day laborers, but who have regular steady work and get paid equivalent with uh, their Jewish counterparts, their Israeli counterparts. Um, but but I think, and I have to say that uh, um, the reaction is stronger than I expected, more sustained, that there will be a very strong message to corporate America, don't mess with this. 
that the had had Unilever, if it just had gone quietly because everybody dismisses Ben and Jerry's as this wacko company, whose chairman is is uh, the record of her comments are really disturbing and outrageous. In fact, against Israel, a long history of it. Uh, the the you know there are people who are demanding removing Hashgacha. They should not focus on Ashgacha, but they have a contract. You can't just break contracts that easily, but you can stop buying it. You can see what um, various supermarkets have done to diminish their their presence and in, in, in visibility in the stores and people not buying it. Now, this has nothing to do with buying it. In Israel, they should still buy it because right. the company is a Jewish company and, and they're the good guys. Here, I think the message has to be very strong. On the corporate level, with Unilever, the parent company, who, when they took over it, they allowed this independent board. That independent board has got to get a strong message, and the shareholders and Unilever say, "We want change. We want this out. This is a discriminatory message. This is not freedom of speech. This is not any of those things. This is pure discrimination." And the uh, and the BDS, as we know, is uh, in fact at its core anti-Semitic because it, it doesn't. It, focus on a policy. It focuses on Israel's right to exist, Israel's right to defend itself, Israel's right as a nation, and the Jews' uh, right to have a nation. This is, uh, so it's, a, I think, very important that people uh, not purchase the stuff and then to make their voices heard, and then we press elected officials at every level to to take appropriate action. Hey, Bernie's from Vermont. Maybe we can get him to make an anti-Ben and Jerry statement. You know, it explains a lot that they're both from Vermont. I, I, I have to agree with you, and I can't emphasize it enough. I'm so glad you pointed it out, and I'm so glad it was really the, the, the focus of your words, that the, the response was amazing. And, you know, for those of us who always complain about the lack of response when it comes to anti-Israel, exactly right. yeah, anti-Israel rhetoric and action, it's amazing to see the way people have responded. Social media has been just blazing, blazing. The, the videos of the supermarkets clearing their shelves is fantastic. And uh, look, you know, when they were an independent company, Ben and Jerry, I'm sure they loved infusing their politics into their business. But now if they're part of Unilever, I mean, you know, it's welcome to the big leagues, boys. And all they care about, frankly, is making money and growing their product, meaning Unilever. So they're sustaining the culture, as they refer to it. But, you know, look, we see we see the uh, expansion of BDS, and now the campuses are coming back to life in September. Right. We're going to see a lot more. Certainly the rise of anti-Semitic incidents is one of the things they did in, in Israel was to speak at the uh, Global Forum on Anti-Semitism, where people from all over the world, Jews and, Jews and people who are doing amazing things on the issue, really highly scientific, sophisticated approach the internet to other things. But the bottom line is that everybody knows that this thing is growing. It's a cancer that's metastasizing, that it's spreading, and, and that we have to do a lot more. You know, the Church of England issued an apology for anti-Semitism from 800 years ago. We can't wait that long. We need to see people coming forward. And when a Ben and Jerry's does what it does, they have to be heard. You saw so British Labour Party uh, eliminated four groups within it who had uh, identified with or expressed uh, anti-Semitic or anti-Israel uh, points of view, and because of their sensitivity, because they knew they paid a price in the last election, they, that that's the bottom line message, that if we're indifferent and if we're quiet, then our enemies win. Yeah. If we speak out, we'll find we have a lot of allies. And the saddest part of all this, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm assuming both Ben and Jerry are Jewish. 
Yes, Ben and Jerry Joshi. Yeah, so that's the saddest part, of course, about all of this. But what can we say? Speaking of sad, sad situation in Iran, a water shortage, and the people protesting. H- how did this all develop? I mean, I, I understand that, you know, especially this time of year, and in that area of the world, there can be water shortages. But anything unique about this episode? Yes, there's a lot, and it's, uh, you remember I raised this issue and talked about the internal crises in Iran over the last couple of months. This is something that's developed economic problems, the drought. Uh, I spoke about maybe a year ago more when we got the first reports about how bad it was and that whole areas of people are moving out of because they, they don't have any water. And now they they got their fifth wave of uh, COVID, wow. of the pandemic. And it, uh, many people have died, and then you have a shortage of medicines and, and water. And it is not because of sanctions, which is it's, it's a total lie that American sanctions somehow uh, stopped the medicines. Quite the opposite. Um, and they, they are developing, quote, their own uh, inoculation. But I saw in Khamenei showed uh, getting the inoculation and encouraging people to take the Iranian one. You could see that the bottle was a Pfizer bottle. And uh, so there, there have been large demonstrations, in, in um, especially in Khuzestan, which is uh, an ethnic Arab population, the Khwaz. Um, many uh, people um, shown on, on television there that they're thirsty. And this is, uh, this is not going to go away. And I hope that the United States will be properly supportive of the of the people on, on this uh, in, in this time when we have large demonstrations by truck drivers, the energy sector, others as we had before, and we abandoned them in the past. It's really imperative. You see how much more aggressive they are that the Iranians try to kidnap a reporter in, in, in New York City and uh, take her, her back to uh, Iran. We know that they're, and I'm not talking about the nuclear program, which is uh, also critical. But they they are taking some more uh, aggressive uh, steps, uh, illegally exporting the oil. They built a new oil terminal, which bypasses then the Straits of Hormuz, which if they decide to close to everybody else's shipping, they won't have the problem. There, there are many things that are, are going on. Uh, there are activities in, in uh, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, uh, certainly Yemen. Um, they're eyeing of uh, what happens when America withdraws from Afghanistan, there's been a close connection, as you know, many of the terrorists found safe haven in, in Iran. So Iran is up to its continuing process of no good, and um, uh, the election yielded the result that we all anticipated with Raisi, who is, uh, I would just say, to just degree of hard line, extreme hard lying that differentiates him from Rouhani, and they said they wouldn't negotiate till he gets into office, which is um, next week. Uh, we'll see whether the talks uh, go. But in the meantime, Iran is just uh, closing all the gaps. They are enriching way beyond the limit that they should. They are building new facilities, and the efforts to set them back are very important, but they're not a, a, a cure. So the you know they're they're using the more advanced centrifuges, which means that they can enrich four or five times. And even the Europeans agree that at the that they're supposed to be kept at least a year from being able to you know fashion a bomb with the enriched uranium. That they're now two or three months away if they decide to break out. You know, it's interesting. I I'm going with your with you how you started this with the COVID numbers. I mean, Iran is one of the hot spots of the world. I mean, Has been. 
they, 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 and they never told the truth about the numbers. Many more people died. There are mass graves for, for people who died. There's 3,000 dead in the last two weeks. Pardon me? There's 3,000 dead in the last two weeks. There's there, no country that comes right. close to that. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't realize what's going on there. Um, and, and a word about uh, what's going on on the northern border, uh, Lebanon and Israel. First of all, so again, Leb- not that it ever did, but they're again officially in a situation where there's no governmental leadership, right? Whoever right. the prime minister was is no longer. And there was military action on the northern border. Explain that, what happened this week. Yes, there have been several uh, incidents uh, ongoing. There were attempts to fly a... Uh, a drone across, there were two missiles launched across the border. Israel struck back and saying, as they have all along, that the government of Lebanon will be held accountable because they're in charge and, and the uh, uh, Hezbollah is part of it. Although we don't believe these were Hezbollah, we probably think it was another group, a smaller group that launched those rockets. Right. Israel struck at a very critical place in uh, a warehouse in, in Syria, but they fly over Lebanon and it's a, it was near Aleppo. Uh, and they continue to to take steps when they know of of these uh, large caches of arms that are being stored uh, to to, um, to to eliminate it because Israel cannot allow and will not allow Iran to pose a threat on its borders. We know that the militias are more active, and the government of Syria it seems is more. Disassociating itself in some respects more from Iran than before, and we've talked. I've talked about the tensions that existed between them. Uh, the Russians also are always wary of of Iran, right. but when they serve the purpose, when both were supporting the, keeping the government intact, that was and, and Assad in position, that was you know what united them. So the situation in Syria is tense, but Lebanon. Is near economic collapse. There's no food. People are having big demonstrations demanding food. Yeah. If you remember, I reported weeks ago that that they set up, well, set up their own supermarkets, and unless you had a card from them, you couldn't go in to buy. And they would then control the shipment of food um, in and out. And and therefore, if you wanted to eat, you you associated or pledged fealty to Hezbollah. It's one of the old tactics uh, of of how you take control of companies. Um, I mean, unfortunately, we have no time left. I, I should have uh, included in this uh, in this um, a segment, but we'll do it either two or three weeks from now when you rejoin us, the whole issue of U.S. leaving Afghanistan. But one question, did those um, uh, translators and those who had supported the U.S. efforts, did they ever get U.S. citizenship in the end to escape from the Taliban, or that's still a, a big question mark? Still a question. Um, some did. Uh, others are very bitter, and it's an issue that Congress has been debating about how to handle Terrible. that. Terrible. U.S. looks awful, I think. If we don't protect them or find a place, they don't have to bring them yeah. to the United States. We can bring them. They can go to other places where they can find safe haven, uh, not Iran. Uh, that right. um, you know, the, uh, the United States has an obligation to them, and I know that many members of Congress have, have, uh, have spoken about it. Yeah, well, let's hope there's progress there because they certainly deserve to have refuge, they and their families. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. We'll speak either in two or three weeks. We'll let the audience know. Have a wonderful Shabbos Nachamu, and uh, and we'll speak again soon. Have a great Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us uh, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Yudin's going to join us coming up from Israel on this Erev Shabbos Nachamu, Erev Shabbos via Hanan, Erev Shabbos Tuba'av. Uh, Rabbi Yudin coming up. I want to thank, <clears throat> I want to thank uh, Rabbi uh, Marty Katz of Just One Life 
uh, donated uh, in honor uh, to FJB, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. Um, <laughs> very nice compliment, Rabbi Katz. I appreciate this. In honor of Nahum Siegel, uh, who knows no limits when serving Kali Yisrael. I appreciate that very much and how I hope that that's true. And thank you so much for that. Uh, much appreciated. Also, I wanted to mention that our good friend Betty Ehrenberg had donated uh, a week ago, or maybe even longer at this point, uh, a significant uh, contribution in memory of Mayor Weingarten. Betty, thank you so much. Um, what can I say? Mayor is somebody who, um, since the 11th of Sivan, we have thought of every single day here at JM in the AM, especially where I was traveling in Israel. And um, I thank you and uh, and appreciate your support, Mayor. I guarantee you would have encouraged you and many others to keep us going, and I appreciate that fact that you, uh, in fact, have done that. Um, anybody who wants to uh, support us, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Again this week, Baruch Hashem. We have the privilege of hearing from Rabbi Yudin while he is in the state of Israel. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. And before I even get to this week is, let me just say, here in Eretz Yisrael on Friday, it is Erev Shabbos, but you're not going to believe it. Downstairs, I happen to be in my son, Rabbi Netanel Ogach Yudin's home, and his daughter, Baruch Hashem, became a caller this morning, and I can only tell you, there are 50 people or more downstairs celebrating. And, of course, Friday has a certain day, not only is it Erev Shabbos, but um, a day of Shi'ifa for Shabbos, Smachot. And I can only tell you, I wish it on everybody. Daniela is engaged to a very fine Bentora, a commander in the army. He's in a... <clears throat> unit, which is with a Hesner Yeshiva. I'm exceedingly proud. His name is Yaakov Kredita, and they should be zochet to build the Bayes Neman Israel, and there should be smachot in all the families in JN, in the AM uh, network. All right, here we go. This Shabbos, as Nachman already said, is a most special one. Except for Shabbos Shuva, there is, and Shabbos Shira, really we don't give a Shabbos the name from the Haftorah, a Shabbos of Nechama, the ability of the Jewish people to have a great resiliency. There we were just this past Sunday, Saturday night, sitting on the ground, and now we have the most beautiful, positive aspirations. And being in Eretz Yisrael only helps these aspirations. Aspirations. Okay, here we go. This week's parsha is that of Eschanan, according to the Chinuch, a dozen mitzvot, eight positive and four restrictions. And if you ask me, the Torah reading itself is the Nechama. What does that mean? Last week you had two mitzvot in Devarim, and they were communal mitzvot. Here you have in this week's parsha, wow, the mitzvah of one, achtos, the Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, the achtos, oneness of God, the mitzvah of the Ahavta, to love Hashem, the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, the Shinantam Levamecha, the mitzvah of Kriyashma, morning, 
night and morning. The mitzvah tefillin shel yad, tefillin shel rosh, the mitzvah of mezuzah, and finally, the prohibition of intermarriage. All this is found in Parshas Vo'eschanam. That in itself shows the great love between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klal Yisrael. I cannot go through the six different phenomena which occurred on Tuba'av. I recommend you take a look at the end of the Gemara, Ta'anis, starting on Lamed Amid Beis at the bottom, spilling over to Lamed Aleph, Amid Aleph. The first two deal with broadening the avenues of marriage within Klai Yisrael. And uh, the third one is, we're taught that the last 15,000 from the 600,000 that left Egypt, who were to die as they did annually on the night of Tish Ab'av, they were spared, and therefore that is a holiday when Jews, Baruch Hashem, don't die. The fourth phenomena the Gemara tells us is that the king Hoshea ben Elah, he took down the, um, what do we call them, the blockades, which Yeruvim ben Nevat had put, not allowing, forbidding, hard to say these words, Jews from going. Pesach Shavuot Sukkot to Yerushalayim. So Hoshea ben Elah took them down, but Rashi tells you on the spot, unfortunately, Rosh Hashanah, he was still considered a Russia, as the Pasuk says in Malachim Beis, chapter 17, just he wasn't as bad as his predecessors, because what did he say? He said, Judaism is a democracy. You want to go here, go here. You want to go to the Kotel, go to the Kotel. You want to go, can't even say the words, to the Avodah Zorah, go to the Avodah Zorah. And we know that Judaism is a theocracy. Judaism is grounded, based, as we have in this week's parsha in the Torah. The fifth phenomena, we're told, is that the Haruge Betar were given to burial. Lo'aleinu, tens of thousands of bodies were killed. The Romans were so cruel, they did not even give the Jewish people permission to bury their dead, and two and a half years later, they finally got permission, and every day that we bench, and tonight you have to bench, you don't have to have two pieces of kugel, but you have to wash and bench. In the fourth bracha, we have hatov v'ametiv, hatov, God is good, as Gemara explains in the seventh chapter of brachos, shenita lekvura, that they were given to be buried, and mative, God is especially good, that they did not emit a foul odor, which could have caused disease, etc. They're covered up brios of these tens and tens of thousands. Amazing. Why is that in the Birkas HaMazon? Many answers. One answer is the Meshachachma says so beautifully to remind us, to teach us, that even in Golos, even at a time when we don't have a base Hamigdash, HaKadosh Baruch Hu performs Nisim for us. Finally, I want to talk about the last one. The Gemara says that Rabbi Rav Yosef, Yom Sheposku Milichros Eitzim Lema Rocha. This was the day 
that they stopped cutting wood for the three pyre, the three fires that were on the Mizbeach. The Torah tells us, Eshtomid to Karam Mizbeach lo There is to be a perpetual fire on the Mizbeach, and you are not permitted to extinguish it. Well, where did the wood come from for these three fires? And the answer is, we cut the wood. The wood, as we're taught in the Gemara, in the Mishnayis, Midos, in Perak Bey's Mishnahay, that the wood had to be especially dry so that there were no tola'as, worms, in the wood. Had there been worms, that would disqualify it for the Marachah, for the Mizbeach. So, the summer months are Tammuz Av Elo. Tuba Av is the midpoint, the hottest time of the summer. After that, the heat of the sun is less intense, and the wood is less dry, and therefore there is the chance of Tula'im, of worms. So they stopped the cutting of the wood, and they had sufficient wood for the entire year on this day. So the day that they stopped cutting the wood, Tuba'av, this day became a Yom Tov. Excuse me, why? So Rabbi Nogershom, in his commentary on the Gemara of Basra, Kuzchav Beis, which teaches us this point, as well as the Gemara here in Tanis continues, as a result of this, Demosif Yosef, as a result of this, there was an increase in Talmud Torah. And when there's an increase in Talmud Torah, wow, that is a communal Yom Tov. Now watch, think about it, everybody. I was very excited when this thought occurred to me the other night, and that is as follows. Let's take a guess. How many people were involved in the cutting of the wood? A hundred? Two hundred? Okay, that's a nice number of people. That was a Hechsher Mitzvah. They weren't playing golf. They were involved in a preparatory state of a mitzvah for the Mizbeah. Wonderful. Now that they are graduating from that mitzvah involvement of the wood necessary for the Mizbeach in the Beis HaMikdash, now they're going to have free time, and now they're going to study Torah. Whoa, when Jews study Torah, it's not just a personalized mitzvah, an experience for them. It's a Yom Tov for Klai Yisrael. Unbelievable. Do you see what's going on here? We could very well imagine that these individuals, very nice, they are doing what they are obligated to do. A Jew is obligated to study Torah. But we see from here that the study of Torah is such that it has an effect upon all of Klau Yisrael. Amazing. And this is, I think, the excitement that comes from Tuba'av, that we are 
of people that benefit from one another. And a person, each and every one of you listening there, you learn Torah by yourself, you learn Torah with a Chavrusa, you learn Torah in a Shir, wherever, however you do it, you are not only fulfilling a personalized mitzvah found in this week's parsha, but you are enhancing, enriching Klal Yisrael. And I believe that is the essence of Tuba'av as well. If the first two examples the Gemara gives, uh, and as the Mishnah teaches us, that on Yom HaKippurim, very different from how we observe Yom Kippur today. But when we had a Beis HaMikdash, and please God, when we will have the third Beis HaMikdash, so I don't know what goes on in your community during the break, but you know what went on in the Beis HaMikdash? After the Avodah, unbelievable. The girls would dance, and the fellas would take a look. That's right. And Shiduchim were made amazing. Why? Because this is the continuity. This is the continuation of Kla Yisrael. And so, too, the girls danced on to Ba'av. And that's what we celebrate, that when a Jewish home is created by a young couple, it's not simply that we are celebrating for them and happy for them. But on a much deeper level, we are celebrating for Klau Yisrael because the home that they are going to build, built on Torah values, is a home that's going to enrich all of Klau Yisrael. Ashrenu Matov Chalkeinu, how privileged we are that we have such a beautiful Torah which uplifts us and guides us and gives us tremendous joy and gives us the shi'ifa, which means the yearning for, as I always say, the best is yet to come. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. in the A.M. with a special Mazel Tov, of course, to Rabbi and Mrs. Yudin and the entire Yudin family. An extended family, how amazing to share in that simcha from 5,800 miles away as it's happening in the home from which Rabbi Yudin uh, just spoke to us about Parshas V'Yashanan. Pretty amazing. Also want to toss in a Mazel Tov wish uh, to a wonderful friend, a family of great supporters and friends. Um, I heard from Marvin Rosenzweig and... Um, and his daughter, Shayna is marrying Brian Shore of Potomac, Maryland. Uh, Brian Shore of Potomac, Maryland, this coming Sunday. So Shayna Rosenzweig, Brian Shore, a special Mazel Tov. To Mr. and Mrs. Marvin Rosenzweig, a special Mazel Tov. The extended Rosenzweig family, a special Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. I'd like to sing one more little bit sad song, a little bit happy both. The says Shabbos. Give me a harmony, friends, give me a harmony, hold on to the last note. Can you imagine? Can you visualize? Can you think about? 
But 2,400 years ago, somewhere on a street corner in the holy city, Yerushalayim. And maybe, 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 it was on Matsohe Shabbos. You know, sweetest friends, let me tell you, according to our tradition, everybody knows that they have Torah, the portion of the prophet we read after a certain portion of the Torah. That means that the prophet prophesied this on that Motsoi Shabbos of the portion of that we hear. Without getting involved in the depths of it right now, the Shabbos was Hanan 2,400 to 500 years ago. Yeshaya Novi listened to the Pasha was Hanan. And he came down to the streets and he prophesied and he said, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami, Yomar.
immer wieder die Friends. Says Nachem und Nachem, Ami. Console my people. Don't ever stop consoling them. And then it says, Dabru Alev Yerushalayim. Speak into the heart of Yerushalayim, Vekiru Eleo. And call unto her. You know, sweetest friends, sometimes a person is so desperate for consolation. Sometimes a person is so desperate for one good word that when you want to give it to them, they run away. Can you imagine Mashiach would walk in right now? Most of us would just run through the window. Couldn't believe it. I want it so much, I can't believe it. Can't believe it. So he says, Dabu, Alev Yerushalayim. When she runs away, don't stop. Vekiro Eleo, run after her. And keep on crying loud. It's true, it's true. Again, I know it's so true. Sometimes you want to talk to your children, they're crying. They run away because they're waiting for Mashiach so desperately. Give me how many one more time.
J.M. and the A.M. It's the Nachamu medley. Beautiful. Effie Green with Nachamu. You heard Shlomo Kalbach's Nachamu. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Nachamu. On this Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vyaschanan, Erev Shabbos, Tuba'av. Candlelighting 759 in New York. Hope everybody has a wonderful Shabbos, Nachamu. Hope everyone has a wonderful Shabbos, Nachamu weekend. Make sure you have plenty of A&H, pastrami, corned beef, salami, hot dogs, everything. Grill up a bunch of great delicacies with A&H during uh, your Shabbos Nachamu weekend. You'll be glad you did. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount on everything A&H when you use promo code radio. And we wish uh, everybody at A&H a great Shabbos Nachamu. It's a big grilling weekend, that I can tell you. It's a big grilling weekend. That's for sure. Um, our schedule, pretty simple. Mark Zamek with the Erev Shabbos Show for Shabbos Nachamu at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Our Erev Shabbos music mix all day long, presented by the wonderful people at Kedem. Final hour at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, presented by the wonderful people at Kedem. Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami tomorrow night starts uh, at 9 p.m. Uh, or right after Shabbos ends in the Eastern Time Zone. And uh, it'll include Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Um, that's all happening tomorrow night. Matis with JM Sunday Live, of course, Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And I'm back here at JM in the AM this coming Monday morning, please God. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM.
My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchemSingle.com and the AlchemSingle Network. And of course, the beloved NSNF. Wraps up an amazing Friday. Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vyashanan. Erev Shabbos Tuba'av here at JM in the AM. Uh, keep it where you got it. There's no better soundtrack for an Arab Shabbos than the Nahum Siegel Network. Big thank you to our friends at Kedem. And a big thank you to Mark Zomik, our musical director, or music director, I should say, and curator, who's um, always giving special attention to NSN, but especially on Friday, and I thank him. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel. Matis, Sunday morning at 7 a.m. with JM Sunday Live. Between 7 and 9 a.m., I'll uh, meet you back here at 6 a.m. Monday morning at JMDM. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Till next week, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. (laughs) 